Welcome to the Inside Bassmaster Podcast. I'm your host today, Ronnie Moore. My co-host is always Kyle Jesse. And Kyle, this is the first podcast of 2024, and it is January 26th. Where have we been for 26 days of the new year? It's been an interesting couple weeks with blizzards and ice storms in Arkansas um, when we had the studio getting cleaned out and ready to go for the season. I think you and I have both been sick at least a couple days early in this month. So we have waited to do our first episode of the podcast on tournament week. This is the first BASS tournament of the year, and it's a college event. But Kyle, I'm happy to be back with you on the podcast, man. And we're going to have a good time in 2024. We may not do as many or as frequently as we did in 2023, but we're going to try to make this thing a little bit more fun and uh, pertinent to the tournament angler and also keep you up to date on what's going on, man. Yeah, I found myself to be extremely happy over the last few weeks not having to deal with you and do these podcasts. Wow. But, uh, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're getting back to it. Uh, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I have missed it. Um, one thing that, you know, have missed a little bit, I guess, is is tournaments. And that's that's the wait is no longer. That that wait is over. Finally got some tournaments rolling in here. And uh, <laughs> with pretty much all bass tournaments, if there's one, there's – 50 more to come. So uh, the next few weeks are going to be chaos and ready to, ready to jump back into things. Well, I know that you enjoyed the off season, which is about December 17th to January 6th. So I hope that you got your fulfillment of time there because it is tournament season and we are kicking it off this week. And Kyle, the new year always brings new things. There's always excitement. We talk about the schedule as soon as it's released in the, you know, in the fall. We talk about who's signing up for the Opens when those rosters are announced, all those different things. But now we maybe took a few weeks off of thinking about it, and now it's right at our front doorstep. This week we have a college event, which is displaying a new format this year. And then we also have the Opens starting next week, high school. And then before you know it, we'll have a second Open. We'll have the Elite Series kickoff. And then before you know it, we'll all be in Tulsa for the Bassmaster Classic. So, Kyle, let's get into we've got a little bit for this podcast of what's new in 2024. And then we're going to have some of our storylines to watch out for for this year, not only in the Elite Series and the Classic, but just in general of BASS tournament coverage and uh, what to expect. But what's new for 2024? The newest thing for 2024 is is the brand new title sponsor for the Bassmaster Classic, that being the Bass Pro Shops Bassmaster Classic. The 54th Classic is going to be title sponsored by Bass Pro Shops, and we will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Grand Lake Classic, and we'll have a presenting sponsor that if you do not know about it listening, you will hear about it very shortly. They have been a new partner, one that's never sponsored anything in bass fishing, I'm pretty sure. So, but we'll talk about that when that time comes. Bass Pro Shops announced, finally, we got their quotes. We got the story out. They are the title of the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that just sounds right. Bass Pro Shops, Bassmaster Classic just seems right. Uh, that To me, like, that just rolls, and it seems like it's a a, a partnership that should have been um, – when oh, I say partnership, that's not the appropriate way. That should have been the title sponsor from a, a naming standpoint for a long time, but – you know, it seems super right, and this is just my own personal standpoint. Um, you know, obviously watching the cast and um, obviously how well that's done over the last few weeks. Um, if you haven't seen that, you should start watching the episodes. They're fantastic. Um, as a fan of the sport and, you know, just a, uh, again, a lifelong fan, um, it is really cool to see some of those things and see the Bass Pro Shops involvement in that from step one. Um 
you know, decades and decades and decades ago to now, it just seems like such a right time to make that, uh, that change for the, uh, the title sponsor. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think it's gonna be awesome. And I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much because I don't want to take any of their news, but, um, I got to see some of the floor plans for their booth at the classic, um, you know, in a, in a meeting I had with, with Bass Pro Shops and some of their content team. And it was really, really, really cool. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a cool setup at the classic. Are they going to have a, a huge aquarium that I can go swimming in or somebody, you know, an Alabama man can go swimming in or what? That's, that's actually the store in Leeds. Uh, that's, that's where <laughs> okay. you can accomplish okay. those dreams. Uh, been been there recently since that happened. And, and don't, don't think that hadn't crossed my mind as well. Yeah. They, I bet you they got a couple more security guards standing there at the, at the deal now, but they just, we put, are. They just put like two more li- like bear mounts, like grizzly bear mounts <laughs> right in front of the entrance. So like nobody would, <laughs> would go in there messing with it. I think. See, they need the guy who does videos on the sidewalks and he's in a planter as a bush and then he pops up and scare you just need to have those beside the aquarium when someone sneaks up you just boom scare them um but no bass pro shops title sponsor for the Bassmaster classic in 2024 excited about that and you mentioned it why don't we just make that the the what's new in 2024 is the cast episodes if you don't know about the cast the cast is the video series documenting the history of bass and We've gotten a couple episodes that have aired already. There's a few more left to go, and then we're already game planning for a season two of the cast. Uh, I think this is going to be a continual thing because the sport needs it. Uh, I think BASS needs it because really it, it kind of hit us in 2022, Kyle, when Ray Scott passed away in May of 2022, that we really haven't lost many people in the fishing industry. You know, losing Aaron Martins, losing Ray Scott, um, I believe Forrest Wood, uh, uh, you know, and, and so we're starting to lose some of our uh, beginning, you know, legacy legends for this sport. And so gathering up hundreds of interviews with so many characters that have their moment in BASS history is going to be very cool and how they all tie together and connect. And then you'll have the current anglers who will be, you know, contributing to it as well as those stories change. And so super excited about that. And the guys here are fantastic um, on creating those storylines, doing the due diligence. You know, we've talked about all the different types of episodes we could be doing in the future. So the cast is huge. I've learned a wealth of things from Tommy. We were just talking before we started the podcast, even on when, you know, FLW started and when Tommy and and the crew here were working FLW tournaments before uh, it was time and, and, you know, Jerry was asked to do BASS events uh, for TV. And so it's cool to see that crossover, uh, the interconnected moments of it. So what's new for 2024? The cast. If you're on our website, you'll be able to go to the video tab and you should be able to find the drop down of the cast and be able to see long form, short form, all those different clips and videos. Uh, I know I, the only portion I've had a, a part in is after each episode that airs on YouTube. We've had a Q&A with a, an angler either related in the video or with our superstar episodes about Bill Dance, Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, Hank Parker, and Rick Clun. We will have a, a different guest. We'll have somebody different than those guys to talk about their legacies because you know how it is. A lot of these guys don't want to brag about themselves, so we need someone else to really lay that out. So the cast has been fantastic, and that's something that's new for 2024. And I'm going to have so much content with some of these old interviews and these stories 
it's going to be cool to have them roll out all year. Like I want to use them up all right now when there's no tournaments going on, but I know in April, uh, June, July, when we're not doing anything or we're taking a break from the elites, we want to uh, consume some of that content. So it's going to be great rolled out there on YouTube and the website, but uh, the cast has been fantastic. Um, anything that you've seen from the first couple cast episodes that kind of caught your mind? Because the one thing that got me was, Larry Nixon talking about how the mega bucks tournaments were formed and the payout with it being an annuity. So they didn't just get their 50 grand or their hundred grand right there. Instead, they got it years laid out in a payment plan. And for one, it, it did help them on taxes because they weren't just getting like a hundred grand at one time. They were getting small increments that are justifiable, but that, Larry Nixon had won so many mega bucks and a certain stretch that he's like, I was making $35,000 a year, whether I fished or did anything like just from, just from these tournaments getting stacked up. So that was something I learned from the cast episodes. Uh, is there anything you took away from the first couple? Don't, don't give away any of the latest episodes that haven't aired yet. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say the first episode I've watched and I'm not kidding when I say this, I've watched it three different times because it was, I thought it was that good. I, I genuinely thought um, from somebody, again, I, I've repeated this phrase, but like somebody that's been a lifelong fan of the sport. Um, and you know, you and I are both in the same boat in the sense that we're both pretty young. I'm not as young, young as we once were, but, um, <laughs> still young enough to where like a lot of the, those things, obviously we weren't alive for, not even close to alive for and a lot of those things have kind of been forgotten a little bit. You know, when you think about it, like not, you know, not from the people like Tommy Sanders and the people that have been around to see all of the those things happen but for somebody like myself i knew the general story but like hearing it come from you know a, a ton of the people that were there from from day one to now i mean and then the the stories about ray and and his legacy i, I thought that first episode was so good i watched it the first time i got the link uh you know sent from jm i watched it again in the office we had a watch party basically and then i watched it the next morning when it aired on fs1 like i genuinely <laughs> thought that episode was so good and so well produced from JM that uh that 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 episode if you haven't um if you haven't seen any of the episodes I I certainly uh, would encourage you to watch but especially that first one like if you watch the first one you you'll watch the rest because it's it is really 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 well done like it's one of those things where um I could put on a front and try to sell you the idea that it's good but I, I truly mean it like it was it was fantastic and some of the things. Uh, again, like I even learned from watching that and, and to be completely honest, like it just fires you up that we get to be a part of something, um, that's, you know, so much bigger than us and, and, you know, has been around for so long. And that honestly, not that long ago was just a thing of like imagination. I mean, it was just a dream. Um, and then to, you know, be able to know where it's at now from, from our standpoint, it's, it's, it's really a crazy transition and, and a crazy journey for Bass. Yeah, seeing the when when Tommy and Bob Cobb and Helen Severe talked about the involvement of Ray going to DC and to Congress sure. and to fighting, taking on suing two hundred plus, you know, industry companies, uh, you know, about polluting our resources and and being at the forefront of that, that is the conservation that you know, we mentioned now and, and this generation of people may think it's just about five fish and keeping fish alive. But the rights to even having access to waterways, clean water for these states, 
it's absolutely incredible what they did. And so even I love the depiction of it because obviously there's no footage of this moment, but when they talked about the Ross Barnett event, when they were going to do the, the, you know, the weigh in and then release the fish and then like game and fish and like lawyers and Congress and like DNR were like, you're not releasing these fish and Ray is like, well, I'm going to go get my baseball bat or you're going to have to go get your baseball bat and hit every one of these fish. If you don't want them to swim off and live and you're going to fight us too, or whatever. I'm like, man, Ray, I think he's like eight foot five in that moment. Like, you know, like he's not, he might've been a six foot five guy. He felt like he was a giant. Cause that's a tall, you're going to, are you going to follow through and do it? No, Ray is going to make you back down. And so that was cool to see him fighting on that aspect of it. But I, I would have been and, like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And and I don't even know why people wanna, would want to eat bass out of Ross Barnett, but that's, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that alone, that, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. But that alone, like that one specific thing, you know, where it came to conservation, you know, talking about really early on, basically getting like grilled, no pun intended, for, you know, keeping the bass and and you know harvesting them at these tournaments to where it's at now i mean just think about that transition alone like from you know back in the day they were basically wanting to fight bass for releasing the fish to now like anglers get grilled for like letting a fish hit the carpet like you know like spiking one on the ground or something like while scooping him up out of the water like you know it's it's crazy that transformation has happened um to see you know how good everybody takes care of the fish now and and that's such a priority um you know for most people whether you're fun fishing tournament fishing it doesn't really matter like it's just such a commonality now uh but to think back then it was so opposite of that it's just a again just a crazy uh you know thought to think that it's came that far in such a relatively short amount of time really it is incredible yeah we uh we're worried about the conservation aspect of forward-facing sonar and what our lakes will look like in a few years or days it seems with the urgency of some of this panic that's there and think about the 25 bass on a stringer and they're all four pounders and you're like we did that for years they did that for years before tournaments were even a thing and then they did it at every tournament for the first you know five to ten years whatever it was that, I mean, that's what we were good at. You brought, you got a brand new lake. Let's go just pillage it, you know, and that's what everybody, <laughs> but that was the rite of passage. You know, that was the way they fed their families. That's the way a lot of things happen. And so, um, you know, thank goodness that we've gone to what we have, but that's new in 2024 as well. So we've got the Bassmaster Classic is now titled by Bass Pro Shops. Uh, we've got the Cast Series documentary that's airing on FS1, the website and YouTube. Uh, we also have more TV, and that would be with the Bassmaster Opens. We've had three Opens live every single year, and now we will have all nine of the qualifying trail to get to the Bassmaster Lead Series. We will be live for all nine of those events on the final day. Um, also, it was announced this week, St. Croix is not only back as the title of the Opens, but Seven Reels, which is the sister company of, you know, St. Croix and their rod endeavor. That is their real endeavor. And so live for all the Bassmaster Opens this year and a brand new presenting sponsor. Um, super glad to see St. Croix, which is a longtime legacy company in the sport as well, um, staying at the forefront of one of the most dramatic and hot and heavy tournament trails out there the Bassmaster opens and so we'll get to see it all go down alive me and Tommy were just talking about it in the studio he said 
you already got our guest coming in, right, for the first event to Okeechobee to help us because we've had an Elite Series guest come on. And I said, we got him ready to go, and we should have number two as well, which will be a little bit of a tight turnaround because those guys will go straight from Wachita, you know, to Sunday practice for Toledo. So instead of Monday, because we have that Wednesday meeting day. So we have our guests. All we need is the anglers, and I believe they start practice on Saturday for the first open of the year. So Bassmaster opens live on FS1. You've got some more Saturday TV viewing if you're not at an open, Kyle, that you get to watch now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be at, at, at a few to start the season, which I'm ex super excited about. I'm excited to get down to Okeechobee. And then obviously, uh, you know, one of my two home lakes there at Lake Washtenaw, super pumped about that. But, you know, when you look at the opens, like you said, it is such an exciting time for the opens because you look at the roster Again, this is like we're being like we're, we're broken record because we said this last year, but it's just it's just as true, if not more true this year. When you look at the EQs, I mean, it's its own separate pro tour. I mean, there's really like no way other way to describe that. And, you know, over the last few years, um, just some of the conversations I've been around and, and got to hear, um, you know, how can we boost the coverage for these opens? Um, they're they're so competitive now. They're, the anglers are so good. Like there's got to be a different way. Well, the conversation always ended, at least in my mind, it always ended like we do live or there's really not much we can do. Like th that's what people want. Like people want to watch Bassmaster Live, like whether whether or not like, you know, uh, right off the jump, that seemed like a reasonable ask or not. That's you know, that's what's going to get people fired up. So um, naturally, I think that's a, such a huge move for bass um, for the fans of the sport, because the reality of it is like, you know, if you pulled. I don't know, a thousand fans, every single one of them would want more live and like the opens being all live. Like that's, that's super exciting. Um, you know, like I said, for me personally, I'm excited to see it because, um, you know, our on the water photographers and writers and everybody do such a good you know job of telling the story. Uh, but there's really no replacement. Um, now that we've had a taste of live for so many years, there's really no replacement for Bassmaster live in a way. So, um, I'm super thrilled about that. I know the fans of the sport and the anglers are, are thrilled as well. Yeah, I'm uh, basically when those conversations ended, I knew when y'all's meetings in Birmingham ended because my phone would ring here and they'd say, hey, are you Tommy good to do live? Well, they wouldn't even ask because they just tell us, hey, <laughs> just a heads up, you're going to have to go to breakfast with your families on Mondays because your son, your Saturdays are now going to be gone again, which I say it's okay because I absolutely love that we're doing the opens live. I was one of the ones speaking on behalf of it. Like, let's do that. Like we got to do it. Like if you just want to set a camera up, like I'll do it and just think it's necessary for what we're trying to sell for what we're trying to grow. We got to do live. We've seen some amazing moments in the opens live. Not only Pete Glusick breaking a troll motor cable and falling in the water, but we saw John Garrett back in 2020 when we were doing it boat to boat and uh, they still had co-anglers on the final day and he doesn't call and he misses out on winning an event. Like, we we had that all going down. We've had a couple cameras out. Now we have all 10 cameras out for the final day, all that jazz. And so I'm excited to bring that. Um, the Opens is, like you said, that field, and we'll get into that in our storylines, field's getting crazier. It's, it's interesting to see. And you can tell that Hank Weldon is doing a dang good job at creating a uh, a residence, a place for these anglers to live, it's not just a place that they're going to stop 
if this is your dream to make the Elite Series, it might not happen. It's only going to happen nine times for somebody or for different people, uh, and it may not happen for you your first year. But if you can sustain financially or give them the platform, maybe we can continue to keep you there um, until you can maybe make that dream of the Classic or the Elite Series come true. So the Open's being live. Super excited about that. Next topic. These next two topics I'm going to have to negate to you on. So this is where Kyle Welcher is incorrect. It's no longer the Ronnie Moore podcast. This is the Kyle Jesse podcast because you're going to be Thanks. the you're going to be the helper on this. Let's start with the college trail changes. So the striking Bassmaster College Series is one of the, if not the biggest growing things in our sport. Uh, the college series from when I was there, and there was. 15 to 20, 30 boat tournaments a few years prior to me. And then we were up to 75 to 80, which basically half of those are pros now. And then we got to 150 consistently. And now we're at 250 with 100 on the waiting list. So there had to be something done. And so, Kyle, they made instead of, what is it, four or five tournaments overall, counting the wild card, six counting the championship, they decided to give more college events, but they split them up so we could accommodate more teams that wanted to fish correct yeah absolutely so uh, you know first off i'd like to say you mentioned back when you were in college that was like when they were still wearing leather helmets for football and, oh and dude, no doubt <laughs> oh down so, so you said it obviously if you've watched this podcast or you you know follow ronnie and i at all um you know that we're both super passionate about college fishing we both fished in college um the demand for these college tournaments has just grown exponentially again, it, you know, not to use that joke again, but since you and I were in college, like it's grown crazy amounts. Like, I don't remember it being, I mean, it was hard to get into tournaments, you know, remotely, but I remember getting into tournaments like late, like it wasn't full, like, you know, whatever. And they were still big field sizes the last few years. I mean, you're talking about demands that, that really couldn't be met without having tournaments with, you know, boat numbers that were, really too high to really get into um so this year like you said the way they did it is split it up so you mentioned it obviously uh previously it was four regular season tournaments the wild card and then your championship well this year we split it up into two trails uh really no significance as far as the names are concerned but the legends trail is going to be three tournaments being lake murray which is going on now as we're shooting this kentucky lake in the middle of april 17th or the 18th and then finishing out the Legends Trail is June 6th through 7th at Saginaw Bay. So, again, the Lunkers Trail is the, you know, the second trail of, of the college series. February 1st through 2nd is Clarks Hill. March 7th through the 8th is Douglas Lake. May 16th through the 17th is Sam Rayburn. So, like you said, what this is allowing, you know, Bass to do is um, allow more people to fish. I mean, that's just the 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 bottom line. And, and it worked out so well from what i understand you know talking to people in tournaments is uh you know registration was so much more smooth uh this year you know being able to have enough spots to house you know the demand of, of all the college fishermen so um so far so good i think it's going to be a really good change for the future um something that that we're all super excited about and uh you know it's it i think like i said it's going to be a great change for for moving you know forward in the college series yeah, uh, when you think about that schedule, Kyle, where are you sitting in that bucket? Like, obviously, you'll fish whatever tournaments you want to fish, but if you had to sign up for three events and you're doing Clarks Hill, Douglas, Sam Rayburn, or you're doing Murray, Kentucky Lake, or Saginaw Bay, where are you going at that? 
I'm, I'm going to put myself in the North Carolina bucket when I was in college. Where would I have wanted to go? And I'll, and I'll tell you, but you go ahead. I'll probably, well, knowing what I know now, I would say <laughs> I'd probably go the Lunkers Trail. Um, and for, I like Murray. I love, I love both schedules. I think they're both good. I've been to, um, every fishery on here actually, but, um, not necessarily to fish, but, um, I would say Lunkers Trail simply because Clark's Hill is similar enough to lakes that I've, you know, fished in, in a lot of ways. Um, I've seen my buddy, Travis Harriman do really well over there. He and I have kind of correlating styles, almost won a, a big national tournament over there. Uh, I've fished Douglas Lake a few times parents or my dad's side of the family is from east tennessee uh and then i'd probably i like sam rayburn it's always kicked my butt but i do like the lake uh, so i'd probably probably go with the lunkers trail if it was me how about you well i think that to be different you gotta you know i feel like i would have wanted to choose murray because murray is the closest of those lakes to where i went to school and my style and then you've got kentucky lake which is just an iconic fishery at least when i was in school so i would have wanted to go there and then saginaw bay would have been cool to go to um that would have definitely tested my abilities in college i didn't i don't think i caught a smallmouth on purpose when i was in college so i would have had to learn how to do that more so or i would have gone largemouth fishing but um yeah so explain that further though we got the legends trail the lunkers trail three tournaments in each of those that qualifies you for the championship is there any sort of wild card or is it still just those three events? And if you don't get in, then good luck next year. But you at least get three. And that allows us, I think they sent 244 boats off um, today at Murray. It should have been 246, but we will let you know you know about that. But 244 boats um, headed out for Murray today. So basically, a possibility of 500 college teams, different college teams, that get to fish three events um, at least instead of, 250 that it may get to fish four events so we're really we're really actually allowing a lot more reps for these anglers that are wanting to maybe step to the opens after college certainly yeah it'll be a big move for for these college anglers and and like you said for um you know the guys especially wanting to move on and fish the opens i think it'll give them a lot of diversity uh the only thing and, and to answer your question correct there's no wild card uh, that is how that'll go. The only thing, you know, I assume is still intact, and I probably should know this, but I, I assume is still intact is the state championships um, that, you know, we've done for the last few years. So there's still, as far as I know, uh, an alternative route to get in. But, you know, primarily it's it's through the, the champion or the, you know, the two trails. So tell me this then. What's the deal for the bracket? Because there's team of the year, but are we going to do a team of the year with teams not even fishing against each other during the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, so explain that to me. Will there be a team of the year winner for the one division and for the other division, or is it just an overall how you did against your competition gets you points towards the overall? Because I think that would be very interesting having two team of the years and first in the championship, second in the championship to make the bracket. You know, like we have first, second, third now in team of the year to be able to have two team of the years, we could crown one the team of the year, but both get bracket entry. I don't think that's the case, but uh, I might be wrong. So do you know about that? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Um, I'd have to to look into that. Some of that is still, um, you know, I guess until we get to that point, I haven't been told. TBD. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Yeah. 
So um, maybe I just maybe I just caused some chaos. If Glenn Kale's watching now, this, Glenn, so, let's figure this out. <laughs> this is this is nothing more than me just not knowing personally. Uh, there, okay. It's already been it's already been uh, you know announced, and it was in one of the releases. But uh, being being thrown on, under the bus on the spot here, I uh, I don't remember That's off my the fault. top of my head. So you're good. You're good. I like did I, text you the topics beforehand, but I didn't text you that I was going to go in a rabbit hole beforehand. Yeah, I didn't know there was a quiz at the end of this. I just <laughs> thought we were going to talk about them. Um, no, like I said, it's it's already been determined. Um, that that's nothing more than me just personally not knowing the the um, um, the way that'll work. But it it I know it has been determined because I've had that conversation with Glenn. I just have slept a lot since then and and don't remember. <laughs> I'm glad you got your rest because now you've got to explain the Bass Nation changes. I seemingly know some of this as well, but after originally hearing it and then we had some time pass, I had a couple sleeps as well. And then we had to make it known again that now, it, you know, we announced this at the 2022 nation championship that it would be changing for the next season, but it wasn't, it wasn't for that current 2023 season. It was for what we're going into right now in 2024. So nation explainer the championship's going to grow instead of being 50 anglers or so it's going to be probably 200 anglers it's kind of going to represent like our high school and college um it's going to give a lot more people opportunities to fish the nation everybody wants that grassroots that weekend series vibe this is your opportunity for the nation and we've done it by adding a couple other opportunities right right Kyle Correct. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the way I understand it as well. I'm looking through, if you go to the Bass Nation series page on the website, um, it basically has a step-by-step, -step, uh, process in which you can get into, um, you know, obviously your regionals, like you said, which is what's going to determine, um, I don't want to nation. It almost, it almost goes, I said regional. It's just like a nation qualifier, one, two, three, and four similar to like what you were saying in order to qualify to the championship um, or go ahead. You sound like you're going to say something. No, no, it feels like it's exactly like the college series where we have hosted college events that we do. And you can also qualify from your state. It's just backwards because right. the college tournaments for us was the staple. The auxiliary was the state option, but for the nation, the state option has been the, the key one. And now it's going to be the auxiliary. Like it's going to go default back to state but the main is going to be the Bassmaster brand tournaments. And so it, it kind of seems like it's emulating the college schedule or format, um, which is ever changing as well. But that that's kind of the the vibe I got from it. Yes, correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm under the same assumption. And like I said, it's, it's not super complicated. It's just a, a change. Um, like you said, in, in the structure, uh, basically to help involvement, help, you know, like you said, grow the, the nation in general. Um, and again, I don't want to keep deferring back to that, but there was, there is a, a very detailed, like step-by-step, -step, um, you know, how it changes for a nation angler, uh, to, to get in the tournaments and qualify. So, um, I would, I would defer you to, to do that because a lot of it is, is, um, you know, is, I can uh, see, uh, your face yeah, yeah. glowing and getting darker and lighter because you're changing tabs. So I know you were trying to find it fast for me. So I appreciate that, but yeah, it's, uh, it seems like, and even like the West coast, this is something that Hank and GL and others have been trying to get West Coast involvement. They feel neglected, rightfully so. Everybody's got their thoughts and feelings. <clears throat> Hearing BASS uh, partner with One Bass 
to be able to offer that West Coast tournament trail an opportunity to put a spot in the nation um, events is is good as well. Um, steps in the right direction. Everyone wants us to figure out the cure to bass fishing in a year, but we got to figure out this thing, put it in the lab, spin it up, develop it this way, spin it up, and then in two or three years, we can get to it. We don't just wait and then roll it all out at one time. We make gentle steps and gradual gradual progress. So I like that. Um, slow and steady wins the race. Oftentimes, we've seen how rushed plans you have to default back and and undo those plans in other leagues. So that's why the way I'd rather be the tortoise than the hare in this these scenarios. Um, awesome. Well, do you have any other things for what's new in 2024? Because those were the bullet points I had before we get into our storylines. Uh, pretty well covers it. Obviously, uh, some changing um, amongst the formats and things of that nature, and and kind of just a piggyback off what you said. Um, you know, when Bass makes these decisions, it's obviously based on trying to account what's best for everybody. Like you go back to the college series, like a letting, allowing more teams to fish, because obviously that's been um, something that in the past has, as you know, in the past few years has been a problem because there's, uh, it's a good problem to have. Like we have a <laughs> lot of people, you know, joining the sport and wanting to fish these tournaments, but um, all these things are, are made, you know, better uh, or to better suit the anglers. And like you said, Chris Bowes, Hank Weldon, Glenn Kale, GL Compton, they have all done a really, really good job and they are constantly um, trying to make these things better. So uh, big hats off to those guys. They do a, a tremendous job on the other other end of the hole. Yeah, and we don't we didn't mention Lisa Talmadge there because she's got her hands full with the Elite Series, but she's uh yeah, she's got she's got a another opinionated council of a hundred who uh will <laughs> that goes without saying lisa's job is Lisa. lisa's job is, is plenty difficult there's no question about it i did i just i just i didn't mean to leave her out it was just no 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 no. i didn't mention her either yeah, yeah. The, the tournament directors we discussed were the ones that obviously yeah. were responsible ones for the two changes kyle if you if you don't see lisa if you just want to know how she's doing just call her on a random tuesday at 1 p.m and she'll answer and go hello <laughs> It's just like a exhale sigh, like, what's going on now? If Ronnie's calling me, something's yeah. broken. And it's like, no, it's not broken. I just, I got to, just clarifying, is Rodman in play this year or not? You know, <laughs> she's like, I got my hands full with this other venue. And I'm like, well, I'll let you to it. I just wanted to check. Um, so, yeah. And, and I was going to mention something um, as well. You were talking about uh, the tournament directors and whatnot. But we can just jump into the storylines of, of 2024 that we've deemed a couple things to watch out for. The first one off the top, I think this goes without saying, um, this is probably the biggest thing in our sport. The Classic and AOI winners are huge, but it's Rick Clun's 50th season with BASS and professional tournament fishing. And the Harris or in the uh, St. John's River will be his 500th bass event we will never i'll say it right now january 26th this is when we're airing the or we're recording the podcast january 26th 10 16 central time there will never be another angler that fishes 500 bass events i honestly want rick to win that one and retire right then so it's a clean 50 years and a clean 500 and ending on a win like i've I feel like I'm just going to get him DQ'd at the rest of them. Like, you're not allowed to fish. Like, we got to keep it a clean 500. 
with yeah. you ending on a win because that is something we'll never see again in this sport. I can I'll bet I'll bet a lot of pennies on that. Really remarkable. And and it how ironic is it too that like the 50th uh anniversary tournament is going to be a tournament where he's also done well. I mean like in in the past, you know, decade or less than that even like some of his absolute best finishes obviously the last two wins um were there at the St. John's River. So certainly could be some fireworks there. Um like you said it's really hard to put into words how impressive it is that what Rick Lund does and does competitively and does well, um, you know, because we we talk about it a lot. I mean, this the sport is seeing a, a massive youth movement, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. It's like there's so much involvement with high school, college fishing. Um, these guys are so good when they come up and have the opportunity to fish the Opens and try to qualify. To see what Rick Lund has done over the course of his career – and for that many events, like you can't, you hear that number and it's like, wow, that's a lot. And then you compare it. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's a, a just a massive number. Um, and to be competitive throughout the years doing that, I mean, it's, it's really, really remarkable. And I know, you know, it, it might not mean a lot coming from me, but like, I hear it a lot from his peers, like the guys he fishes with against um, on the Bassmaster Elite Series, and they have just the utmost amount of respect for Rick and and what he's accomplished over the course of his career, and and you know the the fact that he's still out there competing on the Elite Series is is really really crazy, and I'm I'm glad we're going to get to spotlight uh, Rick more this year um, for his 50th season, and then like you said, his eventual 500th event. If he gets a couple top 30s before we get to the St. John's River. Right now, he is almost 50%. He has fished 496 BASS events, and he has 247 top 30s. He has 247 times he's finished in the top 30. If he goes three of the first four events on the elites, he'll be at 250 out of 500. 50% out of that sample size is incredible. Um Guys are hoping to get in the top 30 like four or five times out of the nine in a season, and you can do that for four or five years. To do that over a 50-year stretch is incredible. So Rick Klun, uh, we'll just read off some of that. Like you said, his last two wins coming at the St. John's River, so it's it's fitting that um, it was the, – the only thing that would be more fitting is like if he fished one open, like let's just say he, he qualified for the Classic and he fished the Wachita Open so that like the – the event number 500 was the classic. That would be the only way it's better. Um, the St. John's River, his last two wins, he I think this is his 20th BASS event at the St. John's River as well. A nice, clean, crisp number is one of the most visited bodies of water. And for that angler to have 20 visits there uh, is a cool number as well. He's got 16 first-place finishes, four Bassmaster Classic wins, obviously. I think he's got two AOIs. Tommy. Tommy, Clun's got two AOIs, right? Clun. Two. Okay, yeah. Two AOIs, 16 wins, 14 second-place finishes, and 12 thirds. He's got 42 top threes. <laughs> That's crazy. There's guys who have had really good careers so far that have 42 total events fished, and he's got 42 top threes. So, um, absolute legend. And I, I – told the guys here, like, if we were going to do, like, an episode, we got to do an episode strictly, like a 30-minute cast episode on his 500th event. Like, let's just follow him around. We're going to bother him. I told this. I don't even know if I have clearance. I don't even know if we have clearance for this. But I said every single day that Clun 
is eligible to fish at the St. John's and put a camera in his boat. Day one, day two, sorry, 10th place, like day three, like you're just, when you fish your 500th event, I will put a camera in your boat for everyone. <laughs> like, I promise. Promise. We got it. We got to do it. We got to do it. If you fish your 500th event, I'll put a camera in your boat every single time. Um, we're gonna have like Patrick Walters and Drew Cook like at the same event. They're 500. They're gonna have. They're gonna have two of them on camera. No, but um, yeah, you're gonna have a camera with Rick Clun. Like if you know we can make that work every day that he fishes. And honestly, uh, I always tell Sarah, I said, man, BASS has seemingly been blessed by God. Every time we turn the cameras on for FS1, they catch the crap out of them. It's incredible. We see things that we're like the first two days has been a grinder. I wonder what's gonna happen on FS1. And it's like amazing that I would not be shocked if somehow Rick Clun actually like earned a camera each day by, by finish and like was in the top 10 at the St. John's river on the final day. That would just be so fitting. So Rick Clun 50th season, 500th bass event, 2.6 million in winnings. And to think that his four classics amount to less than $200,000. And now a classic is 300. Let's just say if he won those, not going to count all his other wins. That's a lot of money. If he just won, uh, he won 200,000 for four events. That should really be 1.2 million. So add another million, he'd be close to, if not over $4 million. And, and he'd be second to only, um, the three initial man himself, KVD. So Rick Clun, absolutely incredible. I'm 30 now, Kyle, and I struggled to get up for 545 Bible study this morning. And he's like, I'm going to go to practice out in the rain and it's Toledo. And I'm <laughs> 83 years old. Holy crap. It okay. Should be, it should be an inspiration to, to people. Oh, no doubt. And the reason we have, not specifically to him, but Hackney, Swindle, Ike, Clun, Van Dam, Aaron Martins, all those guys. The reason we have this youth movement is because of them. So they might not have been fishing on BASS tournaments when they were in their youth age, but because of what they've done, it has inspired the next generation to want to do that as well. So it's y'all's fault. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> let's get to, uh, we've talked about this. We've talked about the elite schedule and what the rundown is. We will have a pre Toledo podcast that we can talk more about it, but the way I've kind of bracketed the schedule, I talked about it on a podcast, the Bass After Dark podcast, that I was second fiddle to. Got word from you that you had been asked. I got I was the second guy that got asked. So thank you for denying that. I got the opportunity to to flap my gums a little bit. But we talked about the elite schedule a little bit on our podcast and that one last night. And I kind of bracketed it as we got two pre-spawn slash winter, late winter tournaments, you know, Toledo and Fork. Uh, you got two Florida tournaments in April. You got two blueback herring tournaments with Lake Murray and Smith Lake. You've got two smallmouth tournaments with Champlain and St. Lawrence. And then in there in the middle of the season, you have a Tennessee River summertime event on Wheeler. So we kind of got a double dose of a lot of different things. We'll get to see if you like this flavor one week, keep that taste in your mouth because you're going to like the flavor the next week as well. If you don't like it, don't worry. There's only two of those. <laughs> we'll be moving on. Um, but that goes to say now, AOY, Bassmaster Classic, can we, based on the schedule and based on the fishery, can Kyle Welcher go back-to-back -back in AOY, in your opinion, the odds of that? Um, are they stacked against him with the schedule? Do you like the schedule for Kyle Welcher to go back-to-back? -back? And then for Gussie to try to go back-to-back -back for the Classic, we've seen it done four times, um, and the most recent was Hank Cherry going back-to-back. -back. Can Gussie 
keep his roommate's hands off the trophy and go back to back uh, on his roommate's home, you know, one of his roommate's home lakes. So the quick answer, you said, can they? They absolutely can. Well, it's they're both, they're in the tournament. So <laughs> yeah. they're in the Theoretically, we it's possible. And they, yes, they can. <laughs> so they can, yes. Um, you know, I, I would say if I had to say, and I hate to even say this because we, we know at this point now for sure Gussie listens to like what we're saying to some degree. Well, sure. Uh, too. <laughs> yeah. When we, when we don't, you know, pick them for something or say there's no chance they can win the classic <clears throat> Ronnie. Um, but hey, he know, did catch a He did catch a mean mouth. So he didn't catch all small mouth. He caught one that was a mix. And so that's my loophole to get out of that. And he did not catch five small mouth today. I said he would not catch five, you know, three limits of small mouth. So those dude, are my two dude, loopholes to get out. But <laughs> I will say you did good enough the first two days. I will. I love that. I did that. I was like, I hear Gussie coming down the hall. Hey, video this real quick. And I just bowed down to him for his, uh, his prowess. So I'm going to say of the two things you suggested, like AOI for Welcher repeat or Gussie repeating, I'm going to say there's a far better chance that Welcher wins AOI again versus Gussie. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. That has nothing sure. to do against Gussie. Um, you know, it's obviously a completely different fishery. Smallmouth are not going to be a factor at all. I can say confidently that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, that's not going to be a factor. Um, time of the year, that classic is going to leave a lot of opportunity. I don't think it's just going to be a, a live scoping deal. I think the guys will – there will be guys catch them a lot of different ways. And I think it's going to make it a really, really fun tournament. So I could see that going so many ways. It's like I, I could probably put together a list of 10, 10 guys or more you could justifiably see win the classic. AOY, there's something that Welcher said to me recently. I, you know, we we went and shot some some content with Kyle Welcher. Uh, would have been two weeks ago or so. Um, you know, we went down and shot some a boat tour that'll be coming out soon and an AOY tackle box. And one thing he said, you know, that helped him a lot this year was the back-to-backs. Um, the thing that helped him a lot was that, like, if you got momentum at the first one, like the second tournament was close enough in proximity and the fishing was similar enough to where, like, you felt like you had a real solid piece of momentum going into the next one. So, like, um, you know, it's something I really hadn't given a ton of thought to, but the way he worded it made me think, you know what, that's that's a, a really good point. Um, and when you look at the schedule, I think if he starts out well in the first two, uh, it's hard to look at the rest of the schedule and be like, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be out of out of his wheelhouse in certain events. I mean, you look at it, obviously, the first two being, um, you know, East Texas, Louisiana style tournaments, pre-spawn winner. Um, those would be the wild cards, in my opinion, for for his style, I guess. But I mean, I think he'll catch them in Florida in April. Um, there'll be plenty of guys doing the the shell bar deal and and everything else, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him lock a frog or something in his hands and literally go to go to catch them in those two tournaments. Um, and then obviously Murray is a place that he could you know do really well just based on the run and gun aspect of it. Um, and then two tournaments in Alabama, certainly not his home lakes by any means, but uh, you know tournaments that I could certainly see him doing well in. Um, and then obviously, if he likes for, grimy, if he likes grimy ones, those are two grimy Alabama ones at times in the 100%, summer. Hundred <laughs> percent, and and you know I think that'll provide a lot of opportunity for guys to do different things. Um, and then obviously we saw last year um, how well he did at the St. Lawrence River, and and obviously made that comeback there at at Champlain. So um, I would I wouldn't bet against Kyle Welcher to go back to back. I 
wouldn't bet for anybody to go back to back just because of how hard it is. Um, but I, I'd say of the two, I'd say that'd be that'd be uh, the one I would suspect would happen. What 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 are your feelings on that? I feel like you'd have to slide five dollars to the side of back to back just because the odds would be so long that if it hit, you're getting like a fourteen thousand dollar parlay. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> or whatever it is, whatever the five dollars in, you just. You need the 18 legs to work out, and the guy scores the last one, and you're like, holy cow, this is awesome. Um, I would say – I would say definitely – you know what? Actually, I think – I think Gussie winning the Classic is more of a reality, in my opinion, than winning Angler of the Year back-to-back. I, you know, we haven't seen the back to back since we've worked at Bass. You know, it was it was Van Dam, early two thousand tens or whatever. That was the most recent time, um, and one of those was even the janked up All Star event where Skeet Reese had a nine thousand point lead, and it was like these three things need to happen for him to lose AOI, and those three things happened, and you know, it was like, in what world? So, um. I think that winning the classic is a is a hard feat. He doesn't have as much experience at Grand as he does there, um, and I think that those three days a lot of chaos can happen. And so I think that because I don't think as many eyes are going to be on Gussie as other past classic reigning champs, especially sure. because a most the two most recent classic champs other than him are guys who have history at grand and wanting revenge and redemption cherry losing the first classic in 2013 christy losing both classics that we've had there um close being a factor in both of them that i think that uh i think that gussie might be the fourth or fifth most talked about angler instead of being the first or second so i think that i think the odds of him being able to maybe do something like that could be better um we'll see and like you said late march Weather could be crazy. I'm glad we're not having a February classic there because it's been so dang cold in Arkansas and Oklahoma. Dude, it would still probably be, you know, Wolf Creek was frozen last week. Um, you had to break ice to get through there. So I'll say that. I'll say Gussie, um, just to be a little different. Um, well, in that but case, I think Gussie that, would have a huge advantage because he'd be an ice fisherman. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, over, exactly. Over, J- you know, Jason Christie's probably not ice fished much in his life. So, I mean, you know, we're talking a, massive advantage there. He'll have to up to a nine sixteenths jujitsu jig or whatever it's called, uh, jigsu, and uh, and and knock it down through the ice. Um, well, there's our second storyline. Our two main winners will they go back to back and repeat? Uh, now let's get to the opens. We talked about the opens a little bit um, earlier, just mentioning the live aspect and the rosters. Crazy. We didn't mention specifics of the roster, but. Give me some opens thoughts. Is there some guys that you looked at the EQ list? My list is upstairs on my desk um, that I that you've marked off, you know, names that I keep an eye on. Or, man, there's three former college classic bracket winners. There's, you know, seven former Elite Series. Pro, you know, we kind of keep those marks. And then, hey, there's some guys to keep an eye on. Uh, have you met, given any thoughts to the opens guys that we'll see compete next week for the first event of the season? And uh, we'll drop a we'll drop a name as well. Um, and if you're thinking the same guy, I'm thinking we'll drop him at the end. He's the next storyline. Yeah. So 
I, I know who you're talking about, but I, I would say the one thing that I have really kept my eye on, um, and, you know, it, it's bass fishing. We obviously know that we see trends uh, go one way or the other. But as I said earlier, there's been such a, you know, dominant youth movement happen, you know, in the last it's it's been progressively happening obviously for a, a while now but um you know you saw the 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 class that came out last year um three college i guess just Pre, three prepubescent or college i mean you're talking about a lot of young guys making it um that's what i'm keeping my eye on obviously we've got some guys uh coming back and fishing the opens this year and and that's exciting and i i fully expect those guys will be uh super competitive and have a chance to requalify as well but um i i just look at the 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 young guns obviously that that are going to be fishing this year when you got a like you said classic or classic bracket champs um Tristan McCormick Easton or Easton Fothergill i mean you, there are a lot Trevor McKinney tre- yeah 100% there are a two-time runner up tucker so close trevor's been super close as it is like yeah. i just think that that trend if i had to to you know bet my money on something will continue and it's for no reason other than like there's just becoming more and more of those super super competitive young guys joining the open zqs uh to where whether or not the whole nine you know uh, field of of guys qualifying for the elites are all sub 30 or anything crazy like that i don't think that'll be the case but i, I think you know when you keep your eye on these guys coming over from the college series um i would i would bet at least a couple of those guys qualify uh for the 2025 Bassmaster elite series yeah i had a i had a similar question posed to me about how the qualifiers would look we had nine and eight of them were under 30 years old last year we had the old man, Ben Milliken, 34 years old. And he's the one who seems younger than the rest because of his involvement in YouTube. Like He's a YouTuber. And I thought those were supposed to be young guys. And he's the uh, oldest of the bunch. So I think that uh, the youth movement's there. But we, I'll say this. We're seeing a lot more youth make it because a lot more youth are competing. So the sheer ratio of we're putting sure, 40 absolutely. guys under 30. The starting age of competitive fishing is getting younger, so the odds that it's going to be younger field for sure. Uh, but this year, we're stacking in more former Elite Series pros and more traveling professional anglers than we've ever had in the Opens. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a turn. I think of the nine qualifiers, you're going to have three, you know, one, one to three, one, two, or three, something like that of the former pros make it you're gonna have one to three of the really young you know just out of college guys make it and then i think there's gonna be one to three of those seasoned veteran guys that we could put you know john garrett was in two of those categories he was a former college kid young guy but he was also a very seasoned you know weathered opens angler who had fished there for for four or five six years and and then made it so i think that we're gonna have a couple little groups of guys when you think about the names. I'm just going to throw some names out. You mentioned Tristan, Trevor, and Easton, and then I said Tucker Smith. Those are four guys who have tasted high success in the college series. Tristan has also won an open, got second or third in an open as well. Had the had a really good chance and has made a couple classics already. He's coming back to the opens to pursue that. You think of Trevor; uh, he's been really close qualifying. Easton 
has the makings of a really well-rounded angler, and he's got a couple actually in his neck of the woods, which is huge for the opens anglers. Normally, we don't have three in that region, and we've got three in that region. Uh, his, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin area, and then he's got obviously St. Clair over in Michigan. Um, but that style of fishing. So I think that it's going to be good for those guys as well. But when you mention those names, uh, you got to also we'll throw in the Messer, the Messer boys. Won an open last year. Matt did to make the classic. You know, what What will they do? You've got the Emil Wagners, uh, really young angler, savvy. I think he won the All-American. Um, he's going to want to be an, one to keep an eye on. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum of the really savvy guys. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to name some more off even. Yeah, throw know. some. I don't have my paper with me. Hunter, no, I was just, I, as you were speaking, I was just looking over the list, and, like, the more I looked, I was like, oh, he was a hammer in college. He was a hammer in Sam, college. Sam uh, from Auburn. And, Sam Hangy, Connor Jacob, um, Bo Browning, obviously, is one we've talked about. I mean, there are a lot. Got one on his home lake. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that uh, that were super, super good in college um, making that jump. And and let's not act like everybody makes that jump and it's just easy. Like, that's not the case either. Somebody's got to not qualify, yeah. 100%. I'm not trying to suggest that by any means. I just think that when you look at it, like you said, just the sheer number of guys – that are really good anglers that we've seen, you know, succeed in the college series and, and others, you know, other trails, like there's just a lot of them now. So it's hard to root against them. Really. It's like, the thing is it does, does consistent top five to 10, you know, top 10, top five finishes in college determine if an angler can finish in the top 30 or 40 of the opens in every event. And does the top 30 or 40 of the opens determine if they can make the top 70 in the elite series, you know, like it's kind of like, if you're really good in the college, you might step back in the opens a little bit. And if you step back after the opens in the elite series, we no wonder some of these guys have a 80th as a rookie year or whatever it is. Um, but the big names, the guys who have made millions of dollars in the sport already, the guys who have been there for a long time, just throwing a couple out and you feel free to pick up where I leave off. You've got the Mike McClellans, the Brett Heights, the Randall Tharps, the Russ Lanes, the Cliff Paces. Um, who else? Ish Monroe. Ish Monroe, yeah. Well, he's he was in the opens last year, so he's sure. so we've got at least six former Elite Series pro James Nigmeyer. Um, I know he's in the opens uh again as well. And so there's going to be probably if we look down the line, there's 10. Masayuki, who just uh who just you know failed to requalify for the Elite Series, he's back in the opens. You'll Cody have Meyer. those guys. You've got Cody Meyer. He's never been on the elites, but he's been on the top right. level over at the FLW RIP. Um, and then, you know, like you've even got Kenta Kamira and Kyoya Fujita fishing all nine. They're not trying to qualify, but they're going to be a mess for people to deal with as well. We might have 11th might make the elites this year if they're both in the top 10, you know, like so. Um, Kenta, by the end of this thing, I think is going to go for a He record. might have a 500 events. He might He might be the only one. <laughs> yeah, well, that, <laughs> that for sure. And then, two, this is, a you know, a stat that nobody takes, you know, is, is really going to keep track of, but it, it wouldn't be hard to figure, is he might be the most qualified person ever, like, through the Open. He might qualify for the elites more times than anybody in the history of of the sport because every year it seems like he's going to be in the top nine, which will obviously work down a spot like it did this last year. But, I mean, who's to say he's not going to do the same thing? I mean, he might qualify for the elite series every year for the next decade. He's qualified three times in the last four years, so... (laughs) <laughs> and only one of them counts. He did say to me, we, we met at Lake Dardanelle to shoot some content, you know, before he went back to Japan last fall. And he said, 
I tried to talk to Lisa and Chase and Chris Bowes and say, like, you know, like every year that I qualify in the Opens, can I get, like, do I get just, like, an extra year? Like, you know, like I get sure. yeah, it's sure. like an exemption. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it, but, like, why It'll not? be like the Larry Nixon annuity. Like, he'll be like, guys, I want to quit. No, you actually have three more years of eligibility. Yet. You're not allowed to retire. You have to actually fulfill these, you know, um, these extras, you know, that you've done. He, his rewards is like Dave Portnoy. You, you swipe the card. You yeah. have 45 million Amex miles or points. You know, Kent is going to have plenty of years in the Elite Series if he keeps qualifying. But, yeah, I think the only one – at his rate, he'll have to fish till he's a hundred probably, but he's doing twenty events a year with bass compared to a lot of guys doing nine. He's gonna catch Clun a lot quicker than other people are. So who knows? Uh, we kid about that. But then you think about some of the guys. Those are you know, if we think about, it, I said it last night on the podcast as well. Randall Tharp is the best <clears throat> BASS Opens angler ever. Qualified three or four times for the elite series accepted once he's one of a bunch of events to make the classic, you know, he, he's just, he's good in those, in this format and skill set. I just don't know how some of these guys in a world, you know, where you got to pay the piper and the piper is forward facing sonar. If this, you know, scenario is going to line up. Well, I'll say you follow Oklahoma, uh, Okeechobee, Santee Cooper, um, you know, maybe Mississippi River, a leech. If you go for largemouth, there's five events in theory where you might not need forward facing sonar to have a successful event. So it's not like it has to be a dominant thing for you, but you have to have skill with it. So these guys have skill with it for sure. We'll see how it translates. But Tharp's the one that I got to keep my eye on. Brett Height as well. Um, because he's got those Arizona tricks for him for finesse fishing. I'll keep an eye on that. But we think about some of the other guys who would be younger, but also veterans of the opens. They're not the college guys right out. They're not the elite series pros, but they're guys we've known for a while. Kyle Austin's of the world, the um, Sam George's of the world. It seems like it's one bugaboo event that just derails it. And for Kyle, it was the last event. And that's what at least we can point to is the last event. And then Sam, it was like the next to last event or whatever it was. So um, real tough. We'll keep an eye uh, on those guys. And then, uh, like we said, Ish Monroe. Uh, I wonder Ish's mindset this year compared to last year. Not that he needs to change it. He's a very confident guy. But like last year, it was a lot harder probably than he thought it was going to be. Like it was, it was very difficult. I don't know where he finished in the points. I think he was in the maybe the low 20s to 30s somewhere in there in the points race so too far out in the final few events but he was fishing for a classic berth at that point almost got it done at watts bar um so we'll keep an eye on all of that but opens huge and we'll throw in a name new to the open well he's fished an open or two before i told him to leave his net at home because that's the only article on bassmaster website about him is he got dq'd for he self-reported he used a net because he was so used to fishing FLW that he did not take his net out of the boat. Uh, Dakota Ebear made the big move. This was the this was the not even the off season. This was like the preseason move, not the off season. And it's very interesting because Kyle he called me, and I don't know how much of this story I'll tell, but he called me on a Monday night. Um, I was in the middle of, we have a two hour Bible study on Monday night. Uh, we took our 10 minute break in the middle. He called me and was like, Hey man, you got a minute to talk? And I was like, literally just a minute, but what's up? And he's like, Hey, 
are the opens fully full for for someone who wants to fish all nine? And I said, oof, if you called me like before Christmas, we know like not not fully full. Uh, I don't know about mid-January. And so I I texted Hank Weldon and said, let me know what time you're available for me to call you in the morning because this is eight o'clock at night, you know, when I'm texting him. He said, I'm free now. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not free till 8.30. Let me give you a call. Then he said, okay. So I talked to Hank for 15 minutes, told him, you know, what Dakota had told me. He wanted to come and fish the Opens. Uh, he has a dream of making the Classic. He wants to be on that elite stage. He wants to see the fans in person. He wants to get back to why he fell in love with the sport. And we say get back like he's old. Like he's like my age. So like, you know, just a couple years ago. And uh, uh, Hank Hank had to check as well, see where they were on the on the wait list or if there was any, you know, spots for the guys who were committed to all nine. And and boom, there happened to be a spot left. And because we were capped, what is it, 225, Kyle? 220, we're not going over 225. So if we were at 225, it's a uh, that sucks. Sorry, man. Um, so Dakota gets in, decides to switch from the BPT to the opens. And boy, does he rise to the top of the watch list for guys to keep an eye on because not only is he taking a big risk doing this, financially he's sound, but you know how sponsors, they want you fish in certain leagues, certain trails. His seem really good with the Opens, but you don't know how many years you have, so you want to get it done in your first year. Dakota Ibera talent, I think he's made 750 grand in the last two years, so he has caught their butt, and now he's going to do it on the Bassmaster Opens trail. Seems like he's caught. It seems like he's won about seven seven hundred and fifty million over the last like two or three years. I'm pretty sure he wins literally every tournament. It seems like I pay attention to, um, but yeah, he, I mean, such a talent. Um, another one of those former college anglers, obviously um, a, a few years removed from that, but uh, just in the sport in general. Like, I mean, w whatever league you're talking about, one of the brightest young stars um, that we've seen, and for him to make that move certainly is a. Uh, is is a is a you know a jump and a leap of faith in a way but like such an exciting move for for uh for him and and obviously you'd be able to speak to this more than I would but um seems seems to be super thrilled about it and seem like this was just the the direction he wanted to go and and try to qualify for the elites so uh super exciting and um if I was a betting man I'd say we'll see him on a uh Fastmaster live show on sent on a on a day three not too long from now because uh coming that to seems your tv to yeah that seems I, to be the point for him i bet you we see him at wachita i bet you we see him at wachita maybe not okeechobee i don't know um i might be wrong he might he might top not top 10 all of them yeah. i don't know um we'll have to actually like hey 11th come be on camera we've had the code on camera too much yeah. <laughs> we won't do that but like we got to see our rookie class i was telling everybody up in in a meeting the other day that our rookie class coming into this year for the elite series, we got to see all of them on camera. We've got more footage and knowledge of our rookie class for the opens than we've ever had before, because we sure. know these guys. It's not like, well, this guy snuck into third place in the Southerns. I don't know him. No, we know, we know these guys. And so for the, um, for the foreseeable future of the opens with all nine being covered, we're going to know our guys who qualify very well. Wouldn't be surprised to see some of these guys really catch, uh, catch them good enough to have three or four times on live. Dakota, uh, and I'll say this, he's done it very classy. It, he, he, you know, wanted to make known to me that it, he wasn't trying to step on toes. He's not a, um, I hate you and I love them. You know, I love BASS and I hate MLA. He's none of that. It is, um, he just, at this point, he has the ability financially 
And at the end of the day, Kyle, it's like there are people who will be happier making $80,000 and spending time with their family more than in making $120,000 and having to work a lot more because of that, you know? So, um, this isn't one of those scenarios. I hope he makes $700,000 this year in the opens. I don't know if that's physically possible. I don't, I don't think it's possible on any trail unless you win all the elites, but let's just say it makes a couple hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if that's possible. I know his lifestyle doesn't deem it necessary, but I know that his end goal, I asked Dakota, I said, what's the end goal for your life for fishing? And he said, I just want to make the classic fish, the elite series. And I said, well, you can't do that fishing other trails. And so good to see him fishing the opens. We will see how he does in a week at Okeechobee. He's like, I was preparing to drive like an hour away to Toledo to start my season. And now I'm, I'm trying to go to South Florida, but the weather should be much nicer. So Dakota, we get to add him to the list of anglers to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, no, it'll be a huge addition. And I think it goes without saying that, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a big move for him. And then uh, it's just a, a, a good move uh, for the opens. And, and, you know, adding another one of those names that's recognizable everywhere. Um <laughs> So, I've been I've been so, watching Fast and the Furious on repeat. Like, well, there's 900 of them, but like I pick my favorite ones of it, and and I feel like it's the uh, it's the street race where they're all lined up ready to go, and then like we need one more car for the race, and then like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker like pull in, and you're like, oh shoot, here this guy's here, like, and so uh, I feel like all the opens anglers were like, welcome, but what the heck. You're showing up at the last second. You weren't on the roster. I wasn't expecting to have to face you again. But um, it'll be a little reunion with the 6 to 10 former Elite Series guys who have been fishing the BPT with Dakota. Uh, a couple familiar faces. His roommate this year should be Tristan McCormick. You got tall and short, you know, um, you know, big and small, however you want to go it. But both fish catchers. Both will be documenting their journey on the Opens as well. So, Kyle, we got a lot of great storylines through the year. Um, opens, Elite Series, Classic, Rick Clun, College, um, and that's the way we'll end it. We have got a College Series event going on right now. Um, one thing I'll make a note of, Kyle, and there, there's you know some rumblings and some things that will probably come out about this as well, but there was a, a sticky situation with uh, two teams – getting into a boating accident in practice at Murray. So I'll put this PSA out there. If you are fishing in the month of January or in the early in the month of February, the most fearful weather forecast that you should see is dense fog. There's thunderstorms. There's lightning. That's scary. There's high winds that are scary. There's incredible heat, incredible cold that are all scary, but fog is the absolute scariest weather that you could ever fish and operate a boat in. So please be careful because fog is nothing to mess with. We know how it is when you're driving your vehicle, you turn on your high beams to see better. It makes it see worse. So when we got boats, we don't have, you know, necessarily headlights that project out as far as a running light does. It's easy at certain speeds to not see people coming. So be careful. Uh, keep a couple teams uh, for the college series in your prayers as they're, you know, some did get injured. I'm not going to release their info. That's not right for us to do. But you know just as much as I do, Kyle, the safety on the water is necessary. So 
young anglers, it's a college event. It might be your Bassmaster Classic. It is not worth your life. So be careful. Yeah, always got to err on the side of caution. That kind of goes with everything. Um, you know, running a bass boat around at any time, uh, fog, no fog, um, literally any situation is always going to be dangerous to a degree. So you need to be careful and, and you know, always, you know, don't take it for granted, I guess, is, is what I mean, because, you know, anything can happen. A lot of times just things out of your control. So just be as careful as you can. And, and you know, just... neither could be a, neither could be at fault and something sure. happened. You know, it, it could literally neither, neither, neither person be at fault and uh, and it could happen. So be careful, um, be alert, uh, live to fish another day for sure. And so that's the big deal that happened in practice for Lake Murray. Scary situation. Kicked off the tournament today, Kyle, 244 boats on Lake Murray. Lake Murray, this is a great time of the year to fish it. It's even better in February, um, but it'll certainly be great for the Elite Series as well in May when we go there. But we're kicking off the Legends Trail. Another new thing, we didn't add this to what's new in 2024. Break it down real quick before we end the podcast with what's new for our videos that we're bringing to the open or to the college anglers. Uh, kind of, I hate to say for lack of a better term, term, uh, we're going behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, so there's we got a couple new video series. Obviously, uh, trying to just shed more light on the college series um, as it is and has has become over the handful of years. Such a pathway uh, for anglers to fish professionally. Obviously, I think that goes without saying we've talked a lot about that up to this point but um you got a few new video series you know the last few years we've done uh the juice and the prospect list and some different things we hadn't done in the past well this year we're we're adding on to that we're doing a an entire series which ronnie and i have both been involved with heavily uh called behind the curtain uh where we're basically going to four different colleges across the country and uh you know highlighting the fishing team what it's like to to be a college angler, kind of a day in the life, almost like, you know, what it means to them, kind of a more or less documentary series without, um, you know, I guess that'd be appropriate thing to call it. And then uh, in addition to that, obviously, by the time this has come out, uh, we've posted the first episode of the School of Bass series, uh, which is a secondary series um, where we're following around one team um, all season long. Uh, we've had some some great support through um, Yamaha with that series and then behind the curtain with Mercury at Mercury Marine. Um, and, and the cribs, the cribs is going to be a, yeah, a lighthearted, I, funny one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, that, so the, the behind the curtains is kind of two parts, um, per school. So it's actually more than four videos. I guess it's eight videos, but we're doing a college cribs where we go behind the scenes and look at, you know, kind of the fishing house on campus or the, the place that a lot of the, the, you know, guys live and it that's been really fun we've enjoyed the heck out of that so far uh and then like i said the school bass we're following around jake peck and cardi Schoen from auburn university and and basically seeing the the raw the real deal you know as they go through the the legends trail and and that's going to be really fun we just shot and published the first episode which is uh really fun and and you get to see how how uh you know how much characters those two guys are and uh it's going to be a lot of fun obviously we've got some of the the best photographers and videographers and people on these these things so uh it's it's exciting times we're super excited for for those video series well if you've joined us for this long over an hour and 10 minutes hour and 15 minutes i appreciate you hanging in hey i was a part of a two hour and 20 minute podcast the other last night so 
long podcast, but people will watch them. Thank you for watching it. We will see you in the next episode of the Inside Bassmaster Podcast. Kyle, how about you join me? And you know what? Actually, I'm going to bring my microphone, maybe. And maybe we'll do one down in Florida because next week we're both going to Florida to be at the open. You're going to cover it on the water. I'm going to be there for the meeting portion of it. And then I'm going to fly back just in time to get my paper notes together and do Bassmaster Live that weekend. So I'll be excited to see you down in South Florida. Hopefully we're wearing shorts and a short sleeve shirt. And maybe we'll do a podcast uh, quickly on site with, uh, you know, with the Opens Anglers down there. So until then, Kyle, we will see you later.